Good morning, everybody. Morning. I'm Shailen Smith. And I'm Aubrey Byer. And you're listening to The The Resolute. Resolute. Do you have a favorite animal? I don't know if I have a current favorite animal, but when I was a child, I really was obsessed with dolphins. Oh, okay. I don't know why. Yeah. It just, I had like figurines, blanket, t-shirts, all (laughs) dolphins. I guess I, I really like birds now. Yeah. As you know. But yeah. Lots of birds. Doesn't really narrow it down, but you know. Birds. Birds. You know. Um, my mom's favorite animal is a dolphin. She really? loves them. Oh, yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. They're really intelligent animals. And I know I don't know what this is called, but I know there's something really unique about their skin where they can regenerate. Oh. Like what? faster than an, any other animal or something. Cool. I don't. I don't know the details, I but if I know they like use. Studying that. For yeah, her. they're probably studying yeah. that. It's amazing. Interesting. My favorite animal are octopus. I didn't know this. I mean, I love crows too. Yeah. But I love octopus. Yeah. I I just think they're. I've always been fascinated by them by their abilities. But I think um, I watched that movie or that documentary. Um, my octopus teacher. Mm-hmm. it's phenomenal okay and it's just about this man who on his own went out and he started um he does d- diving but with just like a fate like snorkeling deep snorkeling right and gets to know this octopus and it's just really fascinating to me that yeah. how how intelligent they are yeah. they're really smart and but they're also very much kind of solo creatures you know right i don't know yeah no they're really yeah they're interesting they look really interesting they're so out of all the animals that i can think of they're very kind of a foreign animal like there's not really any other creature that's like them you know not with that intelligence that i can think of and they have nine brains i did not know that yeah okay they have a brain for each tentacle oh interesting and then they have a main brain wow so each tentacle can it's not just moving independently it's acting independently that is like so weird to think about i know i just and then just what they're capable of and how they can mimic and make different shapes with their bodies is is so cool yeah they can look like because they're they're kind of a slimy creature but they mm-hmm. can kind of make themselves look like rocks and oh, things. yeah and it's just like yeah or they'll know, sometimes really cool. like take the shape of another animal yeah you know oh and interesting yeah, yeah yeah it's really cool really cool well today we're going to talk about a man named greg rasmussen and his favorite animal is um painted dogs and they they're also formerly known as um african wild dogs but uh, he, this is a survival story, but he has spent his life researching these animals. He has just fallen in love with, um, with these animals. And I love his dedication to researching these animals and what he's done. I'll tell you more about his accomplishments at the end. But let me set a scene for you first. All right. Drip, drip, drip. Eyelids barely fluttering, Greg starts to come back into consciousness. Drip, drip, drip. He feels something wet and cool slapping the side of his face. He flutters his eyelids again. 
The smell of gasoline fills his nostrils and jolts him into full consciousness. His eyes shoot open and he sees his surroundings for the first time. Squinting in the hundred degree African sun, he sees what remains of the ultralight plane he had been flying. Gasoline was dripping onto his face from an exposed tube as he hung suspended by his ankle out of the cockpit. Looking out over the vast and vacant landscape of the Zimbabwe bush, the magnitude of his situation sets in. He is absolutely and utterly alone. Mm. <laughs> when you look at these ultralight airplanes, it have you ever seen like the bigger foam airplanes? No. That they sell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. My dad has this big foam airplane. The outside is covered in like a thin layer of plastic. Okay. But it's just got like this big long wing on the top and then kind of this basket essentially for the cockpit. Right. That's what this plane looks okay. like. It is, it's bare bones. Yeah. It, it is called ultralight for a reason. I mean, this thing is just small. You're just exposed. It's the most basic form of an airplane you can imagine. That's stressful. And I think, you know, it makes a lot of sense for like right. if you're just hopping place to place a little bit especially in the african bush right the problem as we'll find out is in the african bush with the heat um greg mentions that it can make the air really thin Mm. and it can cause wings to stall and have complications so um without further ado greg rasmussen was born april 30th in 1956 in london england and when he was 11 years old, his family moved to Rhodesia, which um, there was like a small period of time in the 60s where Rhodesia was trying to be its own sovereign nation. Okay. And it's now currently Zimbabwe. So, but back then when he was first moved there, it was still called Rhodesia. This is in Southern Africa. And... Um, have you ever seen pictures or anything of Victoria Falls in no. Africa? No, I haven't. I've it heard of it, but I haven't ever actually looked it up. Puts, in my opinion, Niagara Falls to shame. Yeah. <laughs> not not really. I mean, Niagara Falls looks incredible. But what's so amazing about Victoria Falls is it's just massive. And yeah. it, it's all this water, I mean, in obviously in the high season of it, pouring off of this plateau yeah i was gonna say i think maybe i have seen it actually and this is in zimbabwe yeah this is in zimbabwe and victoria falls um i i believe that's where they have this huge uh elephant migration every year yeah yeah yeah. i think i've seen on like planet earth or Mm -hmm. something like that yeah yeah it is a bucket list thing for me i one i've always i really that's a part of our world that has always held such fascination to me yeah. and I'm terrified of it. Yeah. But I also want to see it with my own eyes at least once. Yeah. The, not just the falls, but just do, um, the animals, you know, and yeah. I, once I just want to not yeah. in a zoo. I want to yeah. like see it. Like Ugh. a full on safari. Yeah. Ooh. It like really scares me to even think. About yeah. It. Yeah. But it just also, I've, I've never been. Yeah. So, um, Greg loved wildlife from a very young age. I think just being surrounded 
by the African bush and all these safari animals. Um, it gave him such a passion to learn more about them and, and to help them because so many of these animals are on the endangered species list. The painted dogs that he would come to just adore the most and be the most passionate about were on the critical endangered list. And, um, so he would spend a lot of his time in his youth at the natural history museum in Zimbabwe and they had labs there. And I don't really know um, exactly like what these labs would do, but I know a lot of them, some of them would focus on like observing animals and conducting research that way. Mm. Kind of makes it reminded me of like Julianne Kopke yeah. and her family and yeah. all the research they did in the Amazon. So he ended up attending Falcon College, which was a boarding school in Zimbabwe. And then after that, he joined the British Navy, which I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. Um, but when he um, joined the British Navy, he ended up going on to the Warsaw Naval College in Southampton. And he did research on the naval ships. And so he ended up doing this expedition in 1978 where they went to the North and South Poles whoa yeah that is amazing i'm like and to be landlocked in africa for most of your life yeah and then to be on the open sea and that's a, like doing... a very different life altogether. yeah, yeah. how cool yeah, i know it's it's like very fascinating yeah. and he ended up um earning the bracknell award which a you it's a uk award and he won that for work on ocean currents research that he did wow so he's a serious scientist yeah and researcher um actually don't know if he's a scientist but i feel like those people usually are right i mean if you're doing research then it has to be be wrong so (laughs) i I have to imagine because christian is that's like scientific research yeah but it's just like math and things yeah right now he's looking at a lot of pictures but it's research I don't understand it myself, but <laughs> that's why we got people role. like him. We you all know? have our part to play. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank goodness for people like him. <laughs> you you truly, know, truly. because there's so much to be learned from it, yeah. but I, I don't know if I have yeah. the patience for it. Yeah. Um, so after that time, he returned to Africa and he earned two more degrees and went on to pursue a career in wildlife conservation. And, um, during that time, he got his doctorate. So he's Dr. Wow. Rasmussen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This guy is amazing. Um, in 1988, he accepts a job at the Huang... I, I don't know how to say this, but Huangi National Park, observing the painted dogs. And he just loves these animals. And um, in 1992, he founded the Painted Dog Conservation... And um, one of the things I learned was before, at one point, there used to be over half a million painted dogs in Africa across 39 countries. And now, like current day, there's only 3,000 left. Oh, wow. Across six countries. Wow. Yeah. That's the critical endangered species aspect of that and yeah so his whole um and so much of that was because of 
um, their land being taken over. So yeah. then they'd be pushed into developed areas and then the people there are now killing them right. because they're causing they're kind issues of treated you know like a menace yeah. or something yeah. exactly but they're they've been pushed out and yeah. so um with the painted dog conservation he's trying to find one like educate people on how to help these animals survive right without in harming you yeah. know without harming them like what can you do to yeah yeah like what are them from the troubles that you're having but still like give them their lives yeah i was watching a documentary recently on pumas and in um patagonia and the pumas it's the same sort of situation where they've been pushed out of their some of their habitats and so they've been encroaching on farmland and they've been being killed yeah and so um one of the farmers he 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 had killed many of them um over the years and he was just feeling like there has to be a better way right you know there has to be a better because they would come in and eat the sheep which was his livelihood yeah and it's your livelihood it's like yeah yeah Yeah. so um he found this breed of dog that (laughs) i can't remember what the dog is called they're really big and they're really cute but they are like hypersensitive to sound and things like that. So the pumas hunt at night and these dogs just, they live with the sheep. They live, eat, breathe, sleep with the sheep. And at the first alert of any sound, because cats are silent too, um, but they can smell them and they can hear them. Um, They'll go on high alert and start barking and chase the pumas off. Okay, And so it's saved, it's saved he hasn't shot a puma since having That's these dogs. Fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. he hasn't lost a sheep since. Yeah. So how great. What a great answer, you know. Yeah. So that's the type of, um, you know, thoughts going through Greg's mind and how how can I get creative, and find ways to protect these animals. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, while working at his conservation. They do several different types of operations there. Um, One of the teams that operates out of um, the conservation focuses on rhinos. And as we all know, you know, rhinos are well known for being poached. Right. And their horns cut off and things like that. And so they have, they've tagged a bunch of these rhinos and they keep track of them and they check on them to make sure that they're healthy, that they're okay. And um, one of the rhinos was off their radar and they couldn't track it. And it sounds, from what I understand, their radar system, it has to be within a certain range. Right. And this is All in of, the, yeah. the African yeah. bush. So right. it's very expansive. And so um, Greg, he's one of the few people in the um, conservation that is a pilot. And can fly these little bush planes to go, you know, find an animal like that, for instance, where you can't take a vehicle. Yeah. There's not a road just out there. Um, And so he takes out to help his fellow conservationists. And he has, there's only like one tracking device for, um, I'm assuming too, like equipment like that is so expensive. And I know a lot of these sort of research facilities, if they're not getting tons of funding, you have that's how you end up with 
only having one tracking device for these sort of things, you know? So he has the only tracking device for this animal and he, you know, takes off, tells everyone, you know, about where he's planning to look, but ends up going about 40 miles kind of off of his original course because he, he picks up a signal. And as he's getting off the course, the signal's getting stronger and he can see the he knows the animal's alive because he can see it moving. Right. He can't physically see it with his eyes yet. He can just see it on the tracker that the animal's moving. And so he thinks he sees the rhino and he goes to like circle back around. And this is when, like I was saying earlier, the heat and the I don't know if it's like the heat waves pushing up and they like just like the air pressure the, yeah. the, whatever those conditions that keep planes afloat <laughs> <laughs> oh it's still a mystery to me yeah i don't fully get it uh, but. but um he just catches a wing and his wing just tilts down and the other one it stays up and so he's just spiraling now God. down and he can't correct it there's no correcting and it's a tiny ultralight plane i mean there's not a lot it probably makes it even more challenging yeah like i don't know you don't have the heft or anything to kind of i don't know yeah how would you (laughs) like you're just kind of like a leaf on the wind you know so that's when he ends up just nose diving into the middle of nowhere african bush Mm. and that's the condition that we find him in from the beginning of the story yeah all all of these survival stories are nightmarish to me, but this one is particularly terrifying because of knowing there's no one. Yeah. And knowing you won't be found. And, I mean, how? And this man works with these animals. He researches these animals. Yeah. He knows in this, you know, in... um. Just to reference Julianne Koepke's story again, in her case, her knowledge benefited her. Right. In this case, all it does is add to being terrified yeah. because you know what these animals are capable of. You know it's desolate. And, ugh. Yeah. I know. and I you know have. the odds of survival are just... Ugh. Yeah, I know. Like, Because in Africa, there's a lot of... like I'm, I'm sure there's predators. Like, there is predators everywhere. But like... I don't know. I think about all your classic animals that you could think of. Mm-hmm. How many of them are from Africa and I in know. Africa? Yeah. And, you know, would give an opportunity, an easy meal, someone just <sighs> gobble on up, you know? And you know that they're most likely trying to stay away from humans. Right. So they're going to be in these remote places. Yeah. You you went exactly where they all are going to be. Right. Yeah, dang. Yeah. <laughs> so he wakes up dangling out of the airplane and with the gas trickling onto his face, he obviously his first fear is explosion. Yeah. So he loosens himself and lands on the ground. He's on his back and he cannot move his legs. And he, he it describes the pain as just in the interview, he tears up reliving wow. the moment. And at that point, he was fully healed and everything. Yeah. But he, um, he gets tearful in describing the amount of pain Gosh. that he felt, especially in his feet, 
they he felt like they were going to explode oh my like gosh. the pressure Ooh. and he had you know these boots on that lace all the way up um on the outside he had like minor scrapes and bruises but he all unbeknownst to him at the time he had internal bleeding oh. and many many broken bones oh my gosh so he cannot move from his hips down and he's laying on his back in the open sun. There's no no, no cover. And he just starts using his elbows to scoot away from the plane as fast as he can, dragging his legs behind him. And um, he manages to get far enough away. He has to stop, like, half, you know, yeah. often. Yeah. And... um. Of course, he has no supplies. He has no water. He has no shelter. It's 100 degrees yeah. out. And um, the pain in his feet is driving him crazy. He just, he knows he has to get his boots off or his feet are going to pop. And he was all he could think of was getting gangrene yeah which i don't i don't know much about gangrene i know when i think of gangrene i think of like a swampy environment causing gangrene for (laughs) some reason that's funny gangrene is a dangerous and potentially fatal condition that happens when blood flow to a large area of tissue is cut off Oh, oh this causes the tissue to break down and die gangrene often turns the affected skin a greenish black color uh so it's like like would be would the hypothermic patients be gangrene then or yeah because it's like oh maybe it's dying yeah no blood flow so that's not good so that makes sense then why he's trying to relieve that pressure or just so he can't bend his hips he can't he can't i mean he can't move his body other than his elbow like his arms wow and his head he can you know turn his head back and forth so he couldn't even sit up wow to bend forward to untie his own shoes wow so he slowly keeps elbowing back he sees a tree and i mean it's not like a big old deciduous (laughs) yeah shady tree it's you know just a twiggy the tree he ends up leaning up against is a thorned tree golly one he's like trying to prop himself up as his back up against it as much as he can as thorns are digging into his back and then he reaches up and breaks off one of the twigs that has thorns on it and his hope is that he can use it to reach down and catch the shoestring gosh to untie the knot yeah and he this takes him hours to accomplish i think it takes him almost two hours to get his feet out of those boots wow after he gets the knots loose it didn't relieve any of the pain so he starts slowly and painstakingly and remember like he's in so much pain right now so it's not easy and he can't move at the hips and he's forced himself to bend a little bit at the hips and he's in pain from that and so he's one by one unlooping destringing his shoes 
until he gets them the shoelaces all the way off. So the shoelaces are off of both, and he was hoping that that the shoelaces gone would relieve that pressure, and it doesn't. So his only other option is to push the shoes off somehow. But he can't move his legs, so he can't, like, you know how, like, when you pull your shoes off with your feet, you, like, put one foot on, pull it off. He can't even do that, so he grabs the longest stick that he can nearby, and he goes to try to push the back of the shoe down, And he almost passes out from the pain. Gosh. And so he remembers seeing, you know, like in movies and stuff where you bite down on a stick. Yeah. So he grabs like this small, you know, smaller stick that he finds so he can like grit his teeth against it as he just really pushes um, the shoe off. And as he is pushing, he bites down hard on the stick and it crumbles to dust in his mouth. And was filled with termites. <laughs> I mean. It, that is so why? awful. This poor man. His That's story really is awful. just like one horror after the other as far as. And being immobile. That is honestly so terrible because I think termites bite you, right? Oh, I hope they didn't bite him. <laughs> But even without Ugh. that, just like can you imagine that texture and the dust yeah, without any he, water? He tried to spit them out, but he had no saliva left to even spit with. Can you imagine? So it was just like dust coming out. Oh my gosh! I know. Oh my gosh! It's such a nightmare. That is awful. That's I know. So terrible. So then he just shoves them off. You know, eventually he does get his feet out, and he said that. The pain didn't change. The, he like he was still in a ton of pain, but he didn't feel like his feet were going to burst. Right. So, small victories. Right. Yeah. Know? Oh, a smidgen better than a it was smidgen before. Better. It took a total from him to get to the plane from the plane to the tree to get his shoe off, shoes off. It took him four hours oh, to do all that. Wow. Oh my gosh. I know. So, um. Like I said, he had spent his life researching an African predator and, you know, through that, gaining a lot of knowledge about other animals that live there in Africa as well. And so the knowledge of that was just sitting in his mind and he's, he's prime pickings, you know, Um, as he's sitting there thinking through like what do I need to do next a vulture comes and lands nearby okay it, like, I said he, I like birds four... I do not like vultures <laughs> it's always a bad sign I know can you imagine That's I mean how hopeless would that feel I would you're like well I guess this is the oh, end I gosh. don't even know oh, oh. it's terrible That's his skin is now blistering like mm-hmm actually blistering in the heat because he's been exposed to this direct sun for hours upon hours and the plane hasn't exploded and so he realizes that's the only shade is the plane so he decides to make his way back over to the plane so he's you know just using his elbows going backwards on his back 
and he gets part of the way back and realizes like he can't he can't do it anymore it's so slow and it's painful I mean it's all painful but um he just knew that if he could get flip over to his stomach you know you can like pull with your arms and it's a lot more effective so but you know if you're like laying on your back and you're rolling over you're using your hips to turn Mm -hmm. and he can't really he hasn't been able to use his hips so he uses one of the shoelaces and ties the stick that he used to push his shoes off with. He tie, he like um, spirals the shoelace around his leg with the stick laying vertically wow. yeah. against his leg. So that he could use it kind of as a handle yeah. to pull. Yeah. And like pull physically pull like his leg over. The over. Yeah. That's smart. Ugh. So he does this. He grabs it and he just goes for it and just is screaming as he pulls himself over to his stomach and he hears a loud crack and it's not the stick it was his pelvic bone yeah (laughs) shaylin's face right now if you could see it oh no (laughs) i wouldn't have thought that just like trying to heft yourself over it broke his Cause it, pelvic Because it must bone. have, I mean, clearly it was already cracked. Right. You know, like. Does he, his body suffered a lot of trauma. Yeah. I mean, because you got to think too, like, if he was dangling upside down, just to your spine alone, oh the damage that that could have caused. Like, no wonder he's having a hard time moving his legs, you know? Oh. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I know. Okay. And. <laughs> that's really awful. I cannot imagine. I can't believe no, he doesn't pass out during any of yeah. this. Yeah. It's. it's insane that he is still conscious right and if if he had passed out during any of that i i genuinely don't think he would have made it yeah yeah being stuck unawares and just the yeah heat alone oh like, my gosh yeah oh so now that he's at least on his stomach once the shock of everything has subsided he starts you know moving forward very slowly because again he's exhausted he's had no water he's been in the blistering heat he's got shattered legs and pelvis now and um is moving very slowly towards the plane when he hears the trumpeting of an elephant and he you know kind of turns his head slowly to see a herd of elephants walking his direction and he knows about elephants if they know if they sense you from a distance they're usually fine and they'll leave or you know but if they get up close and sense you you're a threat and you're in their space and that's when you know like a lot of um issues arise gosh and so he was just can you i I, the whole time I was researching this story, I kept putting myself in the headspace of imagining myself face down in the dirt with a broken pelvis and legs, my feet swelling to the point of bursting, no water, in a hundred degree heat, and now you can't move. You can't protect yourself. Yeah. You are literally a sitting duck 
and a herd of elephants might stampede you to death. They're it's so a nightmare. It's every so awful. every aspect. This was this whole story. I mean, it's a physical nightmare, but also a psychological nightmare. Just yeah. the terror alone. Yeah. Ugh. So thankfully, um, the wind changes directions and it starts blowing towards the elephants, and they sense him and they turn. Oh gosh! Oh, oh. Thank God! Wow! I know. So he makes it through that encounter and he continues to pull himself towards the airplane um the sun is slowly sinking he doesn't know how long he was dangling for but at this point the sun is and he had headed out you know early in the morning but at this point the sun is starting to get lower and lower in the sky when he gets over to the plane, he finally gets some shelter from the heat and he hears a plane in the distance and he can barely even like verbalize anything to try, which, you know, I mean, it's always a fool's hope to yeah. try to scream right? because from a plane, you're not going to hear that, no. you know, but um, he tries to make some noise, but of course he hears it just continue Keep on going. in the Every distance. Time. Every it, time. Every time. Yep. So he, like, just out of pure depression and frustration, he just lets his face drop to the ground, face down. And he feels something, like, sticky on his lips when it hits, like, the rocky ground. And he lifts his head up and he feels his lips. And his lips have practically liquefied in the sun (laughs) to a sticky honey substance. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm gonna vomit Don't. everywhere. Okay, then I won't say. Whoa. I won't say this one other little bit. I'll Go look. ahead. Okay, so <laughs> it's sick. It's. I didn't ugh. know that could happen. I didn't either, but like that's that. what he describes is just like the sticky texture of his lips, and he like reaches up to feel it, and a chunk of his lip just like comes off, and out of shock he just like breathes in and ends up inhaling and like swallowing a chunk of his own lip <laughs> he said he was so repulsed I can't. he started gagging but there was like no moisture to spit or anything out or Ooh. Ooh. so many times he said he would have cried but there was no tears <laughs> i don't it's not a funny thing but this is just like it's I can't even imagine is that's horrific. <laughs> it's so awful. You, how many times would you? Re- okay, I sewed through my finger once wow. with my sewing machine. It was it was awful. It was through yeah. the nail. Oh, and it my. came out the pad of my finger. Oh, okay. and I relived that moment in my head for like Forever. a year straight. You know what I mean? Okay. And the same thing when I like sliced my other hand. Yeah. You know. And those are like my traumatic injuries. Right. I can't imagine I can't. just reliving swallowing your own lip nope. over and over in your head. Nope. What about like, I can't, okay, I have chapped lips right now, which <laughs> has been greatly infuriating me, mm-hmm. okay? So I just, I, I'm not, I can't imagine like the people, the things that these people go through and they make it out and then they go out there and 
keep on going. I know. I just, I can't. Like Chapped lips is the one thing, like, I have a friend who, if her hands are dry at all, it makes her go crazy. Right. And I get that. For me, it's chap- It's when my lips are chapped. That yeah. feeling of, like, so I, I know what you're experiencing. Yeah. It, like, it's it'll it consume feel- all my thoughts. It's, like, all day. It's all I can think about. I know. My mouth is burning. Ugh. And it's not even that big of a deal. Like, if I know, compared honest. to this. Compared to this. But I think this is why that disturbed me so yeah. much. Because I'm like, You're no. like, not the lips. Oh. Like, oh, that's treacherous. So, I, I know. So he tries, he manages, the radio is kind of dangling out of the plane. So he tries to radio several times in and his messages, they're just not going anywhere. I think he's just too far out, you know. That's sad. Soon he starts to hear some footfalls and they're not human. It's not a welcome sound. Great. It's very slow and a very padded sound that he was hearing and then he hears a very specific animal call that he knows all too well from his research and it is he knows before he even sees the animal that it's a lioness with her cubs because the call that she makes is one that lionesses only make to their cubs wow now that's great (laughs) i (laughs) was reading Jurassic Park a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah. And in the book, there's this scene where this mother T-Rex snaps this guy's spine as he's trying to crawl away. She keeps him alive, but she breaks his spine so that she can teach her young young ones how to hunt and how to take down a kill. Yeah. And lionesses have been known to do the same thing, where they'll find you know they'll partially injure so that their cubs can learn how to hunt and how to kill yeah and here he is free pickings you know he's yeah. he's ready to go it's easy for the young ones to learn oh gosh <laughs> i just oh so he knows that his only chance of scaring these animals away i mean again he's immobile uh is he had to wait for them to get close enough and then make a loud, loud sounds. And that'll spook them, you know, and especially cats. Like, yeah, <laughs> cats, they spook pretty easily yeah. for the most part, yeah. you know. So, oh, I can't imagine the anticipation of, like, waiting. He, see, And then he, of course, sees them, too. Yeah. But seeing this lioness creep closer and closer to you. Before he uh, he picks up a pipe that had fallen off of the plane and he starts banging against the side of it. So thankfully he has the tools to make. Thankfully he didn't stay over by that tree. Yeah. Because he'd have nothing. Yeah. I mean, cause nothing. Yeah, well, plane... A little pokey stick. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, some and thorns. the plane, like metallic sound would exactly. be very alarming. And it's so an foreign. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So, thank God he went under the plane. I know. Just in time, too. Yeah. So um, it it works beautifully, and they bolt out of there. Mm-hmm. So at this point, what he, he knows the sun's going down, but that's the scariest time, because especially in Africa, um, 
hyenas are nocturnal yeah. hunters yeah. for the mo- primarily. I mean, they yeah. have been known to hunt during the day. I know, yeah. you know, I've seen videos of that before. But um, hyenas, they are so scary. Yeah. This, just the sounds alone. Yeah, they're they kind make, of disturbing. Yeah. It's, I'm going to play us a clip. Let's hear it. Imagine that. So as night starts to fall, those are the sounds that he's Mm -mm. laying his wee head down to rest to. (laughs) Just another peaceful night's sleep, right? An absolute nightmare. And um, he knows the tactics of hyenas, too. Yeah. And, you know, that they they talk to each other as they're hunting. So it kind of reminds me of, like, I'll use Jurassic Park again, but yeah. the Velociraptors, right. you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and this knowledge, I mean, it kept at, it at least kept him awake. Yeah. He was not going to pass out now because um, he also knows that you can spook them, but they're a lot harder right. to scare off. Yeah. Especially if there's multiple, yeah. you know? Um, so a hyena for reference when we did our grizzly bear episode, um, the grizzly bears have a PSI, which is pound per square inch, and that's their bite force. Right. Um, grizzlies have a PSI of 1,160. 1, hyenas have a PSI of 1,100. Wait. It's almost the same bite force as a grizzly bear. That's hardcore. I didn't and they're a lot smaller, you right. know? It's like, yeah. Whoa. Okay. okay. And if you've ever seen like a hyena with its mouth fully open, it's so, it's horrifying. So, um, as he's laying there, he knows he, he's not gonna be able to sleep all night. So he makes it until about four in the morning, uneventful. And then he starts to hear the chirping sounds of a hyena closer by. And he had heard sounds earlier, but it was farther off. But now he's hearing it closer by. And all he can think is like, what What more can right. I take? What more, what more can happen? I mean, he's encountered like each one of the most horrifying animals yeah. in the location he's at. And he starts to hear the footsteps of a hyena. And um, he waits again and for the right moment and then bangs really really loudly and this time he didn't hear like a scurrying away he just heard this like long pause they're learning but the footsteps do start to fade away thank goodness because there's nothing else he would have been able to do that'd be treacherous man yeah and right before this when he is first starting to like hear the hyena sounds he was kind. He had started to reach a place of just pure he, accepting, like I'm gonna die, and yeah. they won't find me. This is it. Um, but when he started to hear that, it sent like a resurgence into his mind and his heart of, I'm gonna fight to the end. Like yeah. I want to survive, and I'm gonna fight 
to live. And I think as weird as it sounds, it's like these threats that he kept coming upon in a way, I think pushed him to mentally fight to survive. Yeah. Because if you give up, your body will too, you know, it's, I mean, hope is such a massive motivation. Yeah. We've seen that time and time again in our episodes. Yeah. It's a big, big part of the survival is Mm -hmm. whether or not you think you you can, can, you know, or the will to try. The will to try. Yeah. We see that. We've seen that almost like every, every survival episode, I think, you know, um, so meanwhile, Let's rewind to the previous day a little bit. Um, when he didn't report back after going out, he was supposed to report back at a certain time. It wasn't supposed to be a very long mission for him to go out, find the rhino, report back. Um, when he didn't show back, they immediately sent out a search team. And that's the plane that he heard. Okay. They immediately sent out a search team. Um, but he was so far off the original path, not for any negative reason it's just that's where kind of the nature the nature of it exactly yeah Yeah. it's not like he did something wrong you know um but but because he was so far off it's just such a wide space to search yeah and they it was unsuccessful they had sent out um several airplanes and they had sent out several vehicles to go and search and they couldn't find him the survival rates are so low that when nightfall came um so, I mean, you hear about, think about how the, was it the Oceanic, the homemade submarine people? They searched for these people for days and days yeah. and days Yeah. in the middle of the ocean. Where, yeah. how are you going to find them? Okay. Yeah. Right. Now this, the survival rate in this situation is so low that by the time that night fell on that first night, they had canceled any search efforts in the morning because if they didn't find him by night, they knew that he's a goner. Yeah. Dang. Dang. Yeah. So, um, Peter Blinston was his best friend and, um, he never gave, he just had this feeling. He's like, I know he's, I know he's alive. I know he is. And he really pushed and got them to change their minds to re up, to the search for one more day. Yeah. And he just really believed, he was convinced that if they could just search one more day, they would find him. Yeah. And um, so, oops, sorry. Um, but because, you know, part of what made the search so difficult is that he had, Greg had the only tracker for, so they had absolutely nothing to go on. It was literally finding a needle in a haystack. Yeah. So they search again early in the morning and this time he hears the plane again and it sounds like it's getting closer. So he takes, I mean, he's laying on his stomach, you know, if he's face down underneath the airplane and he grabs the pipe that he was using cause it's, um, it was shiny and just starts waving it, hoping it'll reflect the sun somehow yeah. and like draw the eye and it works. Wow. What are like, I'm just like, what are the odds? You know? And so he's seen, and it's of course still takes quite some time for help to come. And I'm sure during that waiting period, he probably thought they're gone. gone." Yeah. Um, But the plane can't land there. So they had to go back to the base. They, you know, put in the coordinates, 
and then they were able to bring help out and he was still alive when they got there so um they find him alive and peter his best friend is the first face that he sees and he said if he could have broken and this poor man in the retelling of this story in the interview i was watching he he like tears up several times but like in just reimagining the horror you know um and this is one of those moments when he describes seeing his best friend's face Mm. and he's finally rescued wow they are able to successfully get him out of there Ooh, i just think about the pain of even being flipped onto a stretcher yeah and having them have they have to lift your legs up yeah gosh both of his legs were shattered yeah his pelvis was broken And it ended up taking over a hundred surgeries to repair his legs. Oh my gosh. And he was told by the doctor that if he hadn't taken his shoes off, he would have lost his feet. Really? Yeah. Why? Like his, I don't know why. I don't know. I don't understand how all that works. I I don't know either, but there must've been. Well, I guess if his, if you got the tight lace boots your body is trying to swell. It would probably cut off the circulation, hence the gangrene. That could be, yeah. So probably something like that, but dang. Well, and I'm assuming it probably, even getting, when they found him, getting him out of the location he was in must have, I don't know how long that took. Right. Getting him to a medical facility, I don't yeah. know how long that would take. Yeah. Oh. Wow. So he does, he ends up, he endures all hundred surgeries because he, wanted so badly to get back to his work right and he does end up learning how to walk again he had to relearn how to walk but when it was all said and done he was three inches shorter than he was before oh my gosh so it makes me wonder if they had to remove so much bone out of his legs that's or something i know or like his spine i don't know i I didn't have specifics right yeah that's crazy i know I never have, I guess, like, considered that. I know it's weird, right? That. Yeah, I know. Whoa. So in the aftermath, um, he never flew flew again. Fair. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. And um, he was able to, in like reconducting his research, he increased Zimbabwe's painted dog population. From 400 to 700. That's incredible. I know. Wow. That's almost double, you yeah. know? And that's for, like, the wild yeah. dogs. This isn't in a zoo. Right. You know? um, he also initiated a catch and release program where they would catch these dogs and they would put on reflective collars because because these dogs are have been pushed out of some of their environment. They're getting hit a lot by vehicles. So right. they'll be killed crossing roads or people will shoot at them. Um, and so with the reflective collars, it's really cut back on them being shot because they're recognized as like, it's like a, a reminder. Yeah. Oh, we're right. trying to help these yeah. animals. And it's um, really prevented them. It cut back cl- road collisions with their collars and road signs that they put up by 50 percent what a great i know like what a good idea something so simple like that who would have thought you know yeah that's a great idea how cool he now tours the world annually and he does painted dog awareness and fundraising at zoos all throughout the united states and europe 
I'm like, I would love, I want to find out like yeah. where he goes. It would be really cool to hear him speak. Um, he's also a lecturer at the University of Zimbabwe. Wow. And this year, in 2023, he is a nominee for the Indianapolis Prize. The Ind- Indianapolis Prize recognizes and rewards conservationists who have achieved major victories in advancing the sustainability of an, of an animal species. Wow. I know. That's amazing. So, snaps to Greg Rasmussen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's his incredible story. That's so cool. That's crazy, though. Oh, gosh. I know. I, I just keep thinking about, like, what a relief it must have been to, for them to, like, come and, like, finally, like, when whenever they, like, came oh, to get yes. him. Yes, and just seeing. That relief must have just been, like. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. Like, you probably never, like, because you'll never go through something horrible yeah. like that again, hopefully. Yeah. But so I just, like, I don't know. What a crazy. I know. Even with, like, how painful it must have been just getting him into a plane oh, and everything yeah. again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the but, hope alone. Oh, wow. And just, gosh, I mean, in such a short amount of time, he encountered so much that could yeah. have been so, yeah. like, each one of those could have been like it. It was just, like, pure luck. Well, like, that's, he says, he's like, I'm here for yeah. a reason. Like, yeah. I was, I'm here, I'm still here. And that's he's so just cool. poured it all into his work, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, yeah. the work is still going and better than ever. And how cool. That's amazing. I know. Oof, though. Just oh. oof. Ah, all of it. Ooh, the lip. Ooh, the legs. I, the lip. Ah. I was going to say the vulture was the worst part. The vulture it's is... It's like an omen, you know? That psychological... Oh, yeah. Oh. I can't imagine. No, me neither. Gosh. But so, I guess, you know, yeah, maybe the lip would have been the worst I don't... <laughs> I, I think I blocked it, even though this was like five minutes ago. I blocked it from my memory. Already, we're like, like I don't want to ever hear that uh, again. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. Well, uh, we <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed this episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Hope we didn't traumatize you too much. Oh my gosh! We have um, several ways that you can follow us. You can follow us on anywhere you get podcasts. Mm-hmm. We are literally on everything. All of them. All of them. Um. I like to listen to us on Spotify. Same. Personally. Spotify is my preference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. easier. I I honestly, until we started doing a podcast, didn't know you could listen to podcasts on Spotify. I had no idea. What? I thought it was just music. <laughs> Where were you listening to, to podcasts at? Um, iTunes. That is like, that, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. I don't know. If you go to the search button, it's like songs, podcasts. Right. I don't think I ever read it. I think I just searched. You're like, I'm just looking it. for my song here. That's hilarious. I, I love that. I know. It is. It's funny. Anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah. You can also follow us on Instagram. Shayland does mm-hmm. really awesome posts from each episode. Um, so definitely. She's got pictures in there. She does a really, really great job oh, of, mm-hmm. of combining that. So, yeah. Uh, what else? What else do we got? We have a Patreon yes. doc com account i forgot how to say dot com patreon remember back com. in the day when it was like w h t t p s dot dot slash slash, whole, slash w yeah. you had to type in the entire thing oh um, i'm not that old <laughs> i am <laughs> i'm gonna stop you right there <laughs> at one point it didn't i didn't know fill. that i did not you know had to that. type in the whole thing that's hilarious i know love it <laughs> 
But um, if you want to go to https dot dot forward slash forward slash www.patreon.com, we've got some opportunities on there to become one of our supporters. Check That's it right. out. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, share us with your friends if you enjoy listening. Um, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.